True Crime Broads with Crystal and Renee. Hello, welcome to True Crime Broads. This is Crystal and Renee. And we're so happy to be here with you. Hey, Renee, how's it going? Oh, pretty good. How about you? I'm good. Thank you. You know, it's funny. We went from being concerned that we didn't have anything to talk about about this case anymore since there hasn't been any news to thinking of all kinds of stuff to talk about. So no, we're, excited to be, we're excited to be with you tonight. And um, all right. So did you want to start by digging into the Ellis County CSA report a little bit? Yeah, uh, definitely. Okay. So one of the things that we have, me and you've talked about, I know we've talked about this before, but um, it's always been something that um, has been kind of confusing in the way it's worded. So we're referring to the CSI document um, that is dated. Hang on. It was the day of the murder. Right. No, well, no, it's two, January 12th. Wouldn't it? Wait, 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 wait. wait. No, it says, well, dated report was 4-18-16. Oh, was it? I don't know why I thought it was a few days later. Anyway, okay. I guess it's because they have a lot of different dates in here. But anyway, so it is the 18th of 2016. But anyway, so this is a part, um, if you are if you find it online, it's page four or five. And they have a lot of stuff redacted in here. But it right in the middle, it says, on Wednesday, April 20th, 2016, I conducted an e-trace. And this is referring to, I forgot who it was, it's referring to um, Joe Fitzgerald. Yeah. yeah. I conducted an E-Trace search with the ATF on the handgun found at the body site location. So we wanted to talk about this for a little bit because, you know, when we first read that, I think that me and Crystal both, and probably lots of other people, just automatically assumed that there was got a, a gun found beside Missy's body. That's the way I read it. And I was just like, we were like, wow, that's crazy. And so, I don't know, that probably went on for quite a long time. And then I don't remember how it came about, but um, we learned later that actually it could have been interpreted or it could have been meant as body site location as, as in somewhere in the church or somewhere on the property of the church because that's where the body was, you know, mm-hmm. at. So, I, I don't know. I just thought it would be interesting to discuss that because, you know, I, I can see it going both ways. What about you? Yeah, yeah. I was um, a, I was thinking, um, you know, we would go over the report. And then that is a really important part of it that has given us fits before. Because, you know, we assumed, like you said, that that meant that the gun was that was used either to threaten Missy or actually to shoot Missy. We didn't know. We just assumed that the gun was belonged to the perpetrator when we saw that in the report. And it was shocking because that was the first we'd heard of a gun. Police had not mentioned a gun. The only mention of a gun was Missy's gun. And they said that it was in her truck. So, hmm, there's, that was a truck. There's a gun at the body site location. And of course, I think you and I automatically jumped to the conclusion it was laying next to her body. And because right. body site location. But like you said, as time wears on, we've gotten more information. We've gotten a little bit of the inside information. And apparently, uh, more than likely, we're still not sure. But we think that maybe 
that was Missy's gun that they're referring to in the document. And if it is, it really doesn't make sense to call that the body site location if it was in her truck uh, in the on under the awning outside. So yeah, I'm with you. I'm not a hundred percent sold on any of this. So it's something. Yeah, and what's I didn't mean to interrupt you. What, no, I was just saying it's something interesting. Debate for a long time, probably. Yeah, I know. It's it's been crazy. We've been going through this for years, and it's the part that is confusing too. Also talks about in here, um, I'm talking about the truck. There is actually they talk about the inventory of things that are found in the truck, and then the gun's not mentioned. So why wouldn't the gun be mentioned in the inventory of the truck? Yeah. So that's and, confusing. So. And you know, we were under the impression that Missy was unloading her truck. She did not have her gun on her. Of course, you know, she was wearing, you know, just classic workout gear. And, um, I mean, she didn't have a holster or a big pocket or anything. Um, the most that those workout clothes would have a pocket for would be like a tiny little iPhone or something. Like, a, you know, those little pockets that sometimes they'll put in um, oh, yeah. jogging, mm-hmm. like workout pants. So if you want to jog and listen to an iPod or iPhone. Yeah. But I'm not even sure it had that because that's not super common. So more than likely, she had nowhere to put a gun. And as the CSI report says, it was really interesting for me to go back over this whole report. Um, You know, after you mentioned body site location being a good topic, I kind of just went from the very beginning again. And it had been a really long time since I looked at this. And um, at the beginning of the document, um, it talks about at the very, very beginning, it talks about mutual aid. And in this context, it sounds like they mean that they, that County, um, Ellis County was working in tandem with Midlothian police. I guess that's what mutual aid meant. Um, Mm -hmm. Midlothian PD needed a unit to secure the parameter of the church. So that's why they called um, Ellis County in the first place is what it says in this document. They said um, Fitzgerald starts off by describing what he sees. Um, He said a woman was found responsive and bleeding and there was glass broken. And there was a truck underneath the awning facing the West. So this is interesting too. At 7.25 a.m., Fitzgerald said he was asked to respond to the scene, you know, as a part of his job. But he was, mm-hmm. he was already aware of the situation because in this document, it says that Renee Jones, we've discussed her several times now, she called him at 7.10 a.m., and I remember um, at the time, remember uh, on a past episode, I had discussed me asking her, you know, because it all, everything she said was redacted. So I was like, wow, we mm-hmm. used to think you were telling who the killer was. Well, she said that she called him at, that morning early just to make sure he was going to be there because they're friends. She, oh, okay. She, yeah. she, knows, right. she knows Fitzgerald. And it's cute. She calls him Fitz. So she just was like, I just wanted to make sure he was going to be there. Like she felt she would feel better knowing that he was there. And so interestingly enough, 15 minutes after she called, he got the official call to go to the scene. So it worked out. Um, okay. It says that he left the church at approximately nine 30, nine 35 AM. Okay. So yeah, you just talked about how on the 20th, which is Wednesday, they did the E-trace with the ATF. You literally just read that. Now, Here's what I thought also was interesting. Remember how I used to go, why were they doing an E-trace on Wednesday when afternoon when she was killed early Monday? Like what tips? I mean, where's the urgency people? That's what I was thinking. I mean, nothing against Fitzgerald, but I was just trying to understand 
if you're trying to solve a murder, why would you wait that long? Yep. And some feedback that we've got from talking to various people is they think, and this is just people kind of close to the case. So we were just kind of picking brains. And one person said they thought that he was probably just running the E-Trace, not just not because they thought it belonged to the perpetrator, but just to make sure it really was Missy's, just to confirm and double check before they gave it back to Brandon. And also uh, there had been some stolen guns from evidence in Ellis County in recent years. And I think that um, that's kind of another thing they kind of want to eyeball before they, before they check off, you know, a gun being okay. Um, So I don't know. Those are just random thoughts from people. And I just, um, we don't know. We really don't know what that gun was doing there. And, and even though we've talked to people that are sort of close to the case and gotten opinions, I wouldn't say that we even to this day know. Do you feel comfortable that we know, Renee? I don't. <laughs> no, we're we're still completely up in the air. I guess, you know, it just, um, it's it's something that um, I guess, you know, we feel like if we discuss it a little more, we might learn a little more. Maybe somebody can, you know, have some insight into it, something that we're not aware of. Because we, you know, we, like I said, we've thought about it for, I, I would say it was at least a year right. that we thought that that was, the gun was beside the body. And then someone pointed out body site location and we were like, oh. Yeah. So maybe they meant like the site as in the church. Yeah. It's really confusing. Right. Um. So, yeah. so we have Fitzgerald getting called to respond to the scene at 725. He, he arrives at approximately 753 a.m at Church of Christ, at Creekside Church of Christ. And, you know, it goes on to describe the church is located on the north side of Highway 287. And as Fitzgerald pulls up, he sees a corporal and a sergeant from Ellis County blocking traffic, driving up to the crime scene. And he spoke to both of them, and then he parked on the west side of the parking lot. And while he was parking, he noticed MPD uniformed officers standing by the yellow tape. And he also saw one ununiformed officer standing there as well. And that officer was in charge of the crime scene patrol log. And um, I just thought it was kind of interesting to go back over the events of how Fitzgerald got there. He sounds like a super nice guy and really on top of things. So I can see why Renee Jones wanted to make sure her friend was there. And also so she would have a contact that she was comfortable with. Because, I mean, she lost her best friend. I'm sure she was just thinking, I want to have a point of contact there that I can know that will talk to me and I can get a hold of and that kind of thing. So that actually, right. that makes so much sense. And so anyway, yeah, the body site location is really the main thing we wanted to talk about today. And, um, you know, we've also, ta- another thing we've also talked about in addition to that um, is how they talk about how there was broken glass around Missy's body. And my best guess always was, and I think you agreed, I'm not sure you can let me know here in a minute, but I mean, those, there was a table, like a, they kind of like a sofa table that are, there's a couple of them in the church in the halls. And one of those had been shattered in the struggle, apparently. And our buddy that goes to church there said that they got it replaced fairly quickly after the murder, but it was completely shattered. And that's the only thing I can think of because they wouldn't have been next to a window where the part broke in or anything. So, you know, like a door glass. So mm-hmm. all I can think of is that unless the perp you know, or less he, unless Missy or the perpetrator like had some kind of a found some glass bottle or something and threw it down to try to hurt the other one. But all I can think of really that we've seen broken glass besides the 
besides those things we've seen on the news and the pictures we've seen of the broken glass that where either the perp broke in or where he or he or she was vandalizing. Um, but the only really amount of broken glass that would make little piles like they're implying would be that tabletop. That's all I can think of. What do you think? Yeah, that's kind of what I've always thought, too, because um, in one of the parts in the surveillance video, you can see one of those tables in the background. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and of course, from what we're understanding of where she was found, there was another one down that direction, I guess, because there's like a little foyer right there. And so I'm assuming that that's, that it seems to me like that's what it would be also. Right. So that's our best guess on that too. And what, go ahead. What about, um, I know we talked about this before too, but this is just something I wanted to bring up again, because I still find it very interesting. Um, one of the things that it says in this CSI report, right after the part about the handgun found at the body site location, mm-hmm. it says, he says, I have also spoke with Penny Rally with Walmart loss prevention. Miss Rally is conducting searches with Walmarts in Lancaster, Red Oak, and Waxahachie. Okay, first, why did they do Lancaster, Red Oak, and Waxahachie and not Walmart in Middle East? I know. I know I looked that up back then, and I don't That's remember. That's always driven us what, crazy. Like, why? I know, because I tried to find out, like, did that store not sell guns or something? Like, what was the reason? And then it says, Miss Rally was asked to search for suspicious sales of ammunition and or guns in the early morning hours of Monday, April 18th. And I'm so confused about that because wouldn't you do it on the 17th at least or maybe like the week before? Why would you just look on the hours of Monday, April 18th? Because, I mean, do you seriously think that somebody's going to run to Walmart at 3 o'clock in the morning, buy a gun or ammunition, and then run kill somebody? Like, I don't understand the reasoning here of why yeah, they did and, that. And, it's so and, strange to and me. And when you researched that a couple of years ago, you found out that those Walmarts don't even sell the guns. They would just prop, just exactly. have the ammo. And we all know they're behind locked cases. It's not like you can just. Yeah. And the hours are yeah. not even, they're not even open at they're that not time. Gonna be, like, they're I don't, not going to be manned at that time. Someone's not going to be standing back there going, hey, you want me to open this with my key? So, I mean, that's. And what is the suspicious sale anyway? I like, mean, it's just like a ghost town in the middle of the night at Walmart. You can't get that kind of help exactly. in the middle of the night. And they're not going to sell bullets in the middle of the night. I mean, I don't think they would. Who knows? But another strange thing about that is, like you said, do you think the perpetrator is just going to be like, eh, I'm just going to swing by Walmart and get some bullets on the way? I mean, that's ridiculous. Yeah, it is ridiculous. I don't understand that. But, but you know, I don't know. I, I just think, reading I think it. the conclusion I finally just had to make peace with a long time ago when we were going over this and going over this is I just had to finally say, you know what? It's possible, you know, kind of like Renee Jones and Fitzgerald knew one another. Maybe he just knew Peggy Rowley from other investigations they had worked on together. And he might've just been like, let's just have her check it just to see, like, just in case. Um, It's probably easy enough for her to go pop the security video and look and see if you see any strange stuff or if anyone tried to open the cabinet or tried to steal it or get it open or get someone to help them open it I don't know that's all I could think of is maybe he was just like that was the first person that popped in his head because it was somebody new personally maybe right yeah I mean like if you worked at Walmart and security and I was at some overwhelming crazy crime scene you know in Midlothian where you don't have murders very often and I might just call you and be like Renee I'm just in the middle of something crazy could you just check just to be sure to make sure no one tried to buy any ammo this morning but I'm like you I mean why just check it from that day why not look at the week before you know right but it's kind of like that um 
is it the was it the uh tower um, pings yes tower ping they checked from was it three to five it was like a strange time frame mm-hmm. i was like why just three to five why don't you check oh from i think like, that might have been that might have been in the geofence warrant oh it might have been yeah it was just a strange time frame yeah. and i'm just I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I know that they know how to do their jobs, and I trust that, but it just seems strange. Oh, yeah, to and would, I don't... You would want to limit and yourself. I, and I sure as heck don't mean to second-guess Fitzgerald. He knows way more about any of this than I do. I was just... We're just trying to understand it. Um, yeah, we're just trying to understand, like, what was the reason? Like, I'm not critiquing it, but I don't understand why they... I'll tell you what... Why they didn't include Midlothian, and why the, why just that morning? And, and so, I, I mean, maybe there's a reason. And I realize we're jumping all over the place in the CSI document, so we're sorry if you're trying to follow along at home. <laughs> we're just like, jump, jump, yeah. jump, to kind of go more in order. So we probably should have planned that. I didn't even think about it. But um, Sorry, yeah. I just jumped right straight into no, that no, part no, I told you. Okay. <laughs> that was the part you wanted to go over, so I'm glad you did. But here's the thing. If anybody, I will pause and say this for a minute. If anyone does not have access to the CSI document for the Missy Beavers case, please send us an email. Send me, uh, send us a message on Instagram, private messaging or Facebook Messenger, however your favorite way is to contact us. And I will send you a copy and that way you can see it as public record. Um, it's uh, been requested legally. We have it in our possession. It's perfectly fine to share it. Um, okay, so here's another thing on page two of the CSI document that jumped out at me when I was looking over this yesterday. It says, um, this is Fitzgerald again. He's still talking about what he saw. And at the bottom of the first page, he says, Sergeant Scott then asked Sergeant Fitzgerald and I to process the Ford F-150. Oh, I'm sorry, that's someone else talking. Um, Because she said, that's the lady now, the female investigator, apparently, um, of which I was advised belonged to the descendant. Okay. On page two at the top, beneath the awning, I observed a gray colored Ford F-150. That's Missy's car. And they redacted her license plate. The vehicle was facing westward and unlocked. I observed the front passenger door to be open which was nearest to the building. I also observed a bed cover, which was extended in the open position, as well as the tailgate of the vehicle to be opened. Multiple items of what appeared to be gym equipment were observed in the back of the vehicle, as well as near the entrance to the building on the Southern side of the business. So bless her heart that showed that she had already done some unloading before she came Mm -hmm. inside and came into contact with the killer. The keys to the vehicle were observed on the side door, I'm sorry, I observed on the tailgate. Sorry, I jumped ahead. On they were observed, the keys were on the tailgate on the driver's side of the vehicle. Although the although, excuse me, through the open front passenger side door, I observed a black colored wallet located on the front passenger seat, an Apple iPhone located in the on the dash of the vehicle just above the radio, and a yellow colored handbag located on the floor in the center of the front seats of the vehicle. So why did I read all that? The reason I read all that is all of those items, if this person was in that building to steal, this is just another example of things that they could have taken. And um, oh, yeah, and it was confirmed real. that she was wearing her wedding ring, which would have been a real, di- which would have been a real yeah. diamond. And that was left on her hand. So, I mean, all these items were just right out in the open and, you know. Her wallet is right there. Her phone's right there. It's all just visible. You can tell that you didn't have to look hard to see this stuff. And the door and the tailgate, everything was wide open on this truck. 
So if you were there to steal, I would think once you killed her, you would walk right out of there, right? Go over there and get her wallet, grab her ring, get her phone and take off, you know? Yeah, exactly. Okay. It, yeah, that's, that's a lot of stuff to not steal. I have one thing to, to add here or to 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 uh, talk about. I'm reading the part about the keys because in my mind, the keys were always, the keys were mm-hmm, on the back. Mm-hmm tailgate because i know if you have um a tailgate with a copper over it you want to lock it so you can put things in there Mm -hmm. you know keep them safe whatever but i'm reading this and it says the keys to the vehicle were observed on Mm -hmm. the tailgate wait it does okay Okay, hang on were observed on the tailgate on the driver's side of the vehicle that's the part that confused me so I guess they were just laying there. I was thinking it meant they were in like a keyhole. And I was no, like, no, they were on the tailgate and the tailgate was laying open. Yeah. And they're just saying which side. Just okay. That makes sense. Side of the truck. Okay. I saw that part and I thought, why would they put a key? Cause you don't, you know, the cars today, you don't typically take them and stick mm-hmm. them in a keyhole unless it's something like the tailgate of a truck. But anyway, okay. I just misread That's that. Okay. So I wanted to and clarify then, that. Um, right, All right underneath that paragraph I just read. Um, it says using an, a, a Nikon D800 digital camera and Speedlight external flash unit, flash unit, I took digital photographs of the vehicle, including overall mid-range and close-up views. Now, here's something that's really interesting. This is the rest of, it's almost like, I would say, two-thirds of page two. It's all redacted. So, I wonder why they didn't want us to see any of that stuff. That seems strange. I don't know, but it doesn't seem like it. I know. It pictures. Looks, it looks like wait, wait, wait. Well, marked out, but I guess we don't know. Yeah, it looks like it. Maybe it was describing yeah, everything. Oh, yeah, I do see a little bit of a word down there. And then underneath it, they didn't redact one. I'd say if you're at the bottom, if you're following along with us at the bottom of page two, <laughs> I collected the following items of evidence. And then you turn the page and um, it's nothing, right? It's all redacted. Uh, my page numbers are gone mm-hmm. on some of these, so I'm trying to make sure. Yeah, And then mine it too. says underneath that redacted part, at approximately 9.30, I released the three items of evidence to Sergeant Scott. I cleared the scene located at 5401 East Highway 287 in Midlothian, Texas at approximately 9.35. And that was the the female investigator that was with Fitzgerald. And her name was Christine Kringen. Kringen? I'm not sure how to say her last name. Sorry about that. Um, but so that's. Yeah, it's just interesting to think about how this morning went, that morning went down when the investigators arrived and started working. And, you know, I don't see anything in here about footprints or trying to secure fingerprints, but it's possible that maybe not all of that stuff would be in here. Um, oh, here we go. Yeah, it's all redacted. Page four probably. or five, it says CST Cringen took pictures of the vehicle in found state, and then it's all redacted. Um, that's kind of repetitive because I said that on the other page at approximately 1 30 PM, I was asked to attend a briefing at Midlothian police. So it sounds like, I don't know which one that is. Cause there's so much redacted. I don't know if that's Fitzgerald talking now or if it's her. And so I think it's Fitzgerald. Um, and then on Wednesday, April 20, that's when they did the ATF. He did this, the, um, that's when he did the e-trace and e-trace is an electronic tracing thing that is provided by the ATF, the, um, on the handgun found at the body site location. And I mean, we have heard that that really was Missy's gun. And the reason it took so long to, um, run the e-trace is just because they knew 
it wasn't urgent because they knew it was hers more than likely. But I don't know. I just, I, I find that I'm just like you, that body site location thing is so confusing because I pictured it right next to the body. Right. Yeah. It's a very confusing wording and it's um, confusing that there's that much information yeah. redacted about it. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's hard to weird. follow anything that's when so much of it's marked out, but Hey, we were lucky to get what we got. So, um, True. At least we have some information, but of course they can't tell us certain things. Um, <laughs> right. None of our darn business, but we're just trying to have a podcast here and figure out what happened. And let's see, I'm looking through the rest of it. I printed the whole darn thing, like all the little charts and everything. I don't really think there's anything in here. I know. And for some reason, mine's not in order. Oh, really? Um it printed in order, or it should have been printed. Yeah, order. that's just like who responded at what time. This says little charts and stuff. I'm just looking through before we move on to make sure that there's nothing here we need to talk about. Um, yeah, I guess that's it, huh? On the CSI document. Well, I was trying to look. Why is there not? Why does it not start it? I'm trying to figure out why this doesn't start. The call for service doesn't start at 5 a.m. Why does it start at? 528 do you have another page do you see what i'm talking about like on the call for service part of this document let me go back there okay um yeah page one of six yeah it starts at 528 but why does it not start at five i'm not even looking at this oh yeah that's weird i don't know I mean, I have it because I ended up requesting mm-hmm. it later. Yeah, you the probably month or whatever. Well, what you you well, I'm just curious why it wasn't included. Requested it from Midwestern Police. This is Ellis County, so this is totally oh, different true. people oh, okay. and different. This is a totally oh, that makes sense. Entity. That's why. Yeah, oh, that's okay. why. That's true. Um, <clears throat> that's it. Okay, I was going. What? <laughs> that's why I think. Okay, that makes sense. Okay, so let's see. I guess that's you. I thought I was that missing was papers. the extent of my notes <laughs> on that. Um, I did want to insert a couple things in here before we move on to the other thing we were going to discuss. And um, I was listening to a podcast that I really enjoyed. I highly recommend it. It's called The Prosecutors. And as you might guess, both of the co-hosts are attorneys and they do a it's true crime. So you guys should love it if you like our podcast. And um, I thought this was kind of a hoot. They did a series on Missy Beavers. I think it was two episodes. I'll have to go back. It's been forever since I listened to it. But that was what got me turned on to him. It was actually our wonderful listener, Dale, that we always shout out, who turned me on to the prosecutors. And um, But this was so funny. He said, um, the guy's name is Brett, I think. I'm just drawing a blank on his name. Um, he said that the Missy Beavers followers left them the meanest comments on their YouTube channel. I was like, I was so embarrassed. I was like, I'm sorry. (laughs) But I was like, I'm not really surprised either. People are really getting really wigged out about the Missy Beavers case. So I thought it was kind of funny. He was like, wow, those Missy Beavers followers are mean. So kind of cracked me up. But so in the episode I was listening to was actually when he made that comment was about the Delphi case. And, um, and it's really, really weird listening to the, them talk about the Delphi case. Because honestly, I was driving and every now and then I'd zone out. And I would think they were talking about the Missy Beavers case. That's how similar things are. Um, they even, in the Delphi case, which is, they even did a geofence warrant, just like they did in the Missy Beavers case. Which, you know, 
Yeah, and I read some pictures when I got home that the geofence warrants, they spiked in, in, you know, usage from 2017 to 2018. I forget what the percentage was. It was like it quadrupled, you know. It's just becoming more and more used. At the time Missy was killed, they really weren't even using it much. So that's why we saw them going back and doing it later, I think. It's definitely a new process, um, new technology. And so anyway, just there were so many similarities and they just, you know, there's just so much. They've got their perpetrator on camera. Um, They even have some voice of the perpetrator in the Delphi case. And here's something really interesting. Um, In the Delphi case, they were talking about this on the prosecutors. For two years, they had, uh, they released this video of the perpetrator going, you know, they call him bridge guy for short. They have him saying down the hill. You know, you're familiar with that, right, Renee? Are you there? Okay. Oh, yeah. And, um, yeah, I'm here. and so he says down the hill. That was for two years. And then they released mm-hmm. him saying, guys, down the hill. I wonder what made law enforcement decide to add that one word after two years. I know, it's really so strange. Crazy. And it makes you realize like... that police hold things back and it made me think again of course of the missy beavers case because a lot of us are thinking if we could just see a little bit more video it might help the public you know and 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 just like in in missy's case the delphi followers really think that there is quite a bit more video or at least a little bit more video that they could release or you know that might help so it's really strange so there was just a lot of parallels and there's a lot of talk about gate analysis of course that gets talked about also in missy's case Um, Because you can kind of see how the Delphi guy walks, and he has an interesting little walk. You know what I mean? Have you noticed that? Right. Yeah, and it's such a Uh short piece. Yes. You know what I'm saying? It's like a just a very short piece, but Mm -hmm. you can really tell he kind of has his hands in his pocket, Mm -hmm. and he kind of just does a short little. But it is interesting for sure. Why would you have your hands in the pocket in your pocket when you're going over a bridge? So he must have maybe had a gun or a knife or something he was hanging on to you know it's just all this speculation just like in the missy beavers case so little is actually known but the part that i also wanted to bring up is they talked a lot on the prosecutors about hold back evidence and they bring that up a lot in the delphi episodes i've listened to all of them now and one of the things that um came up in episode before last not the last one but the one before that is they were talking about holdback evidence um, as far as they were just saying they think it's just one person involved in the Delphi. They And they said if there was, and then the guy, Brett, I believe is his name, I can't believe I'm blanking on his name while I'm on the air, but um, the male prosecutor said, co-host said, oh, if, he said, I would be surprised if there's another person involved because that would not be good holdback evidence if there's more than one person that the police wouldn't that's not something that they wouldn't share. And he really, yeah, his name is Brett. His co-host is named Alice. He said, and if it is, they should all be fired immediately. Cause he was just saying in our experience, that wouldn't be something they would hold back. So it made me think of Missy's case again. So I was like, if, I mean, I'm not saying it's not possible that MPD is not aware that there was someone else in the church and maybe they managed to stay off camera or something, but I'm just saying that I thought that was really interesting. And it made me think of Missy's case again. Okay. Now hang on. Explain that to me again. I'm listening to you, but I'm trying to understand what you're well, what hold, you mean hold by back, that. Hold back are you saying that when the police are intentionally not telling the public something because it's something that only the killer mm-hmm. and the police would know? Right. 
But you're saying that they wouldn't do that if they thought yes. there was more than one person. He said in his, he said in his okay, experience why? that that is not something that would be holdback evidence. And he said if it is, they should all be fired immediately. And he kind of did a little rant about it. So that's this. I wonder why though. Did he? No, he didn't elaborate he just on said it. That he didn't think that that was. Because I'm very curious to understand why. Because if you. I don't know. I, I guess he I don't, meant I don't if know. they knew somebody else was out there in the woods or, you know, in that remote area, that they should tell people so that it might be easier for that person to get caught. Because, you know, whenever there's more than one person involved, then the chances of, cause the oh, chances well, that of getting sense. caught go up. I mean, I'm just guessing. I'm totally speculating. I'm just repeating what he said, but this is my speculation right now. And I was just thinking that if there is a second person, then that would be really that wouldn't be smart to withhold the entire person. Cause what if that person was someone you knew, like the public knew who that was. And well, and I think though, in that case, it's going to be a little bit different and this is just my opinion, but I, and I'm glad you repeated that so I can understand what you're saying, but I feel like it's going to be a little bit different because I think that they, in their minds, they know that Missy's was mm-hmm. an isolated incident or mm-hmm. that's what they think that they know but in the delphi of course we don't think that there's any way that 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 was you know um an isolated incident because it's two Mm -hmm. young girls so in that case i can see what you're saying they wouldn't want to hold back Mm -hmm. there's a second person because that would be stupid and they would need to get fired because you're not alerting the public that there are two vicious people out there that are running around killing little girls so well, no, I get and, that. And there that are makes people sense. in the Missy Beavers case who think there are more than one person in the church. And that's that's kind of what made me go. That's just one of the many things that reminded me about this case from listening to their discussions on Delphi. Um, and and like I said before, the prosecutors right. do have episodes on Missy. And I think I'm going to go back and listen to those because it's been so long since I've listened to them. I want to check them out again. But um but yeah, I just thought that was interesting. And you did a poll in our Facebook group, and there are quite a bit of people just in our Facebook group that think there's more than one person. I don't know. And I want to always preface our shows, I guess, halfway through. I hope it's okay to still use the word preface. <laughs> but I always oh, want to yeah. say, we don't claim to know anything. We may sling an opinion here and there, but our opinions have even changed over the course of this case. Even since we've changed, since we started this podcast, our opinions have changed. I know mine have, and I think a few of yours have as well. So just understand we're just like oh, yeah. everybody else. We don't think we know more than you guys. We just are. And we never thought we would have a podcast. We only did this after we, we the four year mark was approaching and we were just getting really freaked out. And so many people are getting just sort of restless. And there's a lot of unrest where this case is concerned. And we just thought maybe we can just sort of talk it through with everyone. And maybe that would help. So we're definitely not saying that we're experts on the case. We are just here to deliver the research that we've done and we're always open to questions. And if anyone has suggestions or ideas and please share them with us, cause we would love to get it on the podcast. Um, okay. So moving forward, Renee had a good idea for the rest of the episode. Did you want to get us started on that? Sure. Um, I um, I was thinking about, you know, all the different, because, you know, we have people that contact us. We also have people that, you know, we'll just talk about it in the groups and, and we'll put up a topic and it'll go from what you actually post to all the different things that, you know, people think, which is totally cool um, because it, you know, obviously gives us insight. It helps us to think about different things. 
so we thought we would just talk about all the different uh, possibilities of the way or who killed Missy mm-hmm. have been discussed. We've heard so many different ones. I mean, I'll just name a few. You can name some. Um, some of the ones that I found interesting was a jealous camper. People have said that they thought that Missy was possibly murdered by someone that she was training and they either weren't getting the success they wanted or that maybe she was not um, helping them like they thought she should have or something, which, you know, me knowing Missy and I'm sure many people out there that knew, that knew Missy would probably say the same thing. I can't imagine that she would ever be mean to anybody. I believe that, but I'm not critiquing their, their thought. I just wanted to share the fact that they said, you know, a jealous camper, that's an interesting, um, you know, outlook at it, that somebody, you know, was, was in her class and wasn't happy or, something happened and they got Mm -hmm. upset and killed her um another one is a um a robber that was in the church coming to you know vandalize or and or rob the church still from the church i guess it would be and she was spooked they were spooked by missy and they even though they were covered from head to toe they yeah so in her. that theory the burglar um, goes from a burglary to you know the worst kind of murder possible um just exactly just right there on you know like flipping a switch and and i know there's a there's there's a little segment right. of our group that thinks that's possible so yeah yep um another one is a person mad at the church they uh, stated that maybe something happened um, at the church. Something made them mad, whether it was a person or whatever. And they went to the church and was going to vandalize it. She showed up and they thought, I'll just kill her mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. So I found that interesting too. I, um, You know that she's not really, she's using the church. But she's not really connected to the church. You know, she she had her own home church. Now, of course, I'm, I'm not saying that the killer is going to verify all this to make sure he does it correctly or she does it correctly, whatever. But I just, you know. Yeah. Know, you know, someone that didn't like something, some policy that the church has or their stance on certain social issues or. Right. Um, I don't know. That's just a wild guess of what people might be thinking about that. And that this person went in there to vandalize and get back at maybe a person or the belief system. And then, yeah, like you said, Missy just pops up and they kill her. I would. I don't know. I mean, in my opinion, somebody would have to be on some pretty serious drugs or I don't know. I just, uh, it's hard for me to understand how someone can go from, I just want to tear up a church and they didn't do a very good job. I mean, if you're really, if you're really upset with the place, I would think he would do a lot more damage, but. Yeah. They just basically broke in and, you know, destroyed some doors uh, that they broke into and then damage, of course, at the end where, miss it when missy was killed but but no other real damage they didn't tear up the you know auditorium or the at uh, the auditorium the sanctuary or you know the kitchen or anything like that they right. from, from what we've been told they just you know well you know i do want to insert in. one thing real but, quick is mm-hmm. as we're going down this list we really don't know that much we've said this before on many podcasts we don't know a whole heck of a lot about this case because there's been so little real release. So if we had more information, we might actually change our minds about some of these theories. 
Um, but um, True. moving on, there's oh, and there's uh, there's theories about jealousy, like love triangle type jealousies. Like some people have speculated mm-hmm. it could be some girlfriend of Brandon's, but we have absolutely zero evidence that he was engaged in any type of affairs. But that is one example that people have given. Or another example could be somebody, maybe a wife of someone that Missy was seeing. And we really don't have any evidence that she was seeing a lot of people. So I just, you know, those are just natural assumptions, I think, that people make. um, Because that's the type of thing that gets people really upset. So, um, yeah. What about the parent of a lover? Hmm. I found that one interesting. I don't think I've heard that. I was like, I mean, I'm sure anything. Yeah. Well, you probably would remember. One of them I know was one of the psychics. Um, One of the, I I don't know who it was. I I didn't watch it, but somebody reported back and said they watched the one about the psychic and that, and the psychic had said that they were reading or here or whatever, however you do that, I don't know how you word it. Um, getting that Missy was killed by the mother of the lover that Missy was Hmm. having an affair with, that she was upset that her son was with her and that Missy was married. I mean, people definitely put a lot of thought into these theories. I mean, I don't mean a lot of thought, like as in researching facts, I just mean like some of them take some imagination, you know? Yeah. Um, And I think that the one that we've heard over and over, well, there's, there's two, theories and then you kind of put them together to make a third is Brandon her husband did it or her father-in-law did it or they did it together um and most people don't think that Brandon is physically in the building but he gets blamed a lot for planning it and then a lot of people yeah and a lot of people think that Randy is actually Mm -hmm. physically in the building or some people will say, well, or he planned it from afar and so did Brandon and they coordinated the whole thing. There's absolutely no evidence of any of that. And we I've, have been defending, we've been defending the Beavers well, for a long time now, but you know, it's, it's just, here's something too. We have to just, I have to just tell myself, you know, when these rumors are still going on, I mean, we, at what point do you trust law enforcement and, especially when the FBI was assisting. I mean, they've traced, they've checked, they've verified whereabouts. I mean, it's just, that's just wild. And that that keeps going, but that, you know, and it's the first thing you do look at is the husband in situations. We've got the Scott Peterson's, we've got the Chris Watts. And I understand it's not like that's the craziest thing to think, but I'm just surprised people are still saying it, you know, in this case. Yeah. Yeah, I you know, one of the things that always confused me was, you know, for the most part, they were looking at um, the mm-hmm. spouse of a supposed lover. But for some reason, she was having conversations with Casey Williams, and they weren't ever mentioning his wife yeah, or girlfriend, married, which I believe he had, was married. I think she had they like were a looking at, at the him. time and a little, little, a little boy also. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They were never looking at her, though. They were always looking at him. Yeah. I thought that and was interesting. I was like, they're having outside of conversations. Search but... warrant, Facebook search warrant. There's no search warrant on him. So I have to think that yeah, that we heard a rumor that he had gone to the police department to get himself cleared early on. And 
Yeah, he, they yeah, didn't even have to get we, him to do it. Yeah, he that's just what did we it. heard early on. That's so what I heard. If that's true or not. We don't have any documentation mm-hmm. of that. It's just things that were said. And I don't even remember where we heard it at this point after four and a half years. Because we didn't know we were going to have a podcast back then. There's a few things that flew past us that we just accepted as fact and moved on. But I, uh, we didn't dig into that because there's really nowhere to dig. But um, we just heard that he went down there and got himself all cleared and everything was fine. So whatever he said must have been satisfactory. They must have been able to quickly check out his alibi. Um, I assume, possibly, I shouldn't assume it, but I'm wondering if maybe he was one of the um, people that had video of them walking sent to the forensic podiatrist. Or maybe they cleared him before that even became a part of the investigation i don't know um it would be interesting i would love to know hopefully when this thing is solved we'll get to find out who was investigated by the forensic podiatrist that would be an interesting list to see um just to know who made it to the Mm -hmm. kind of final round there um and um so yeah that was another theory that you know makes sense you know some of that she was having a little flirtation with we don't know if they ever even met in person or if they actually dated but they did have some flirtatious and familiar conversation according to law enforcement on linkedin and facebook messenger and you know another theory was that um it was somebody um who was angry with her for recruiting people at the gym so apparently she had ruffled some feathers at the gym um, the Anytime Fitness, that's why she stopped going there because the guy that works there got on to her about it. And she was recruiting people for Camp Gladiator from the gym. And so they felt like, hey, she's taking our paying customers away. She needs to stop doing that here. And apparently there were some other trainers that were annoyed with her for doing the same thing. Like they're private. They were just thinking, we want to have these people as our clients. Don't take them out of our gyms and whatnot. So Um, I don't have any huge details on that, but that's just something we've heard consistently and it was confirmed by somebody fairly close to the investigation. So I have to think at least part of that's true. And so there have been theories that maybe it was just someone who was really angry with her about the way she was just aggressively working her business and wasn't afraid to walk up to people and try to recruit them. And it was messing with someone else's business. And, you know, people do get really upset when you mess with their livelihoods, um, you know, so I mean, that's not the that's craziest true. theory I've ever heard. Um, yeah. What about the um, the teenager? Remember the one that somebody mentioned about a teenager going in there and just messing around? Yeah, I think you know, so. I I just I I, I have a it's, the only issue that I have with that is, um, and I and like I said, if if they told me they figured it out and that's what it was, I'd be like, okay, well, this case has been missed you know, crazy enough that anything is possible. But, you know, I just feel like the person doesn't look like they're just hanging around, you know, they're just like having a good time Mm -hmm. and they're messing, messing the place up and stealing stuff and, and even just goofing around with things, you know, like you, you've heard of, I'm sure teenagers Mm -hmm. breaking into like a warehouse and they'll go (laughs) ride forklifts around the building and, you know, get on all the different equipment and have a good time and mess things up and, you know, whatever. But this person isn't really, I mean, they broke in and they messed that up. Yeah. But they didn't really mess anything up other than that. So it isn't even like they're just hanging around and I recovered from head to toe. So why kill her? You know, they just leave. That's another one I've heard. Say, I've heard hey, that we got one. called out here and I just checked the building. Looks like you're safe. Uh, have a good workout, ma'am, you know, and then leave. 
And by the time, by the time it read, yeah, yeah, exactly. something was off, they would have been long gone. So, and she could have called MPD and been like, exactly. is there someone out here to check the building that they know? And then it would be like, okay, well then the story would just be that there was some weirdo dressed up as a cop. It wouldn't be that there was this horrible capital murder that just took place. So, um, yeah, it's interesting to think about all these theories. I know there's more we're forgetting, um, Oh, yeah, there's a bunch of them. Um, let's see. And what about the uh, untargeted, targeted, upset spouse of a lover, paid hit, relative, neighbor, coworker? Oh, I, I, I always really like the stalker theory of. for this case because she was very much out in the public eye. She was on social media promoting and mm-hmm. just very, she seems very outgoing. You knew her, I didn't, but. She just seemed like she wouldn't be afraid to talk to anyone and try to get them to come to her class and encourage people. And would which would you say she was friendly mm-hmm. and talkative and outgoing? Yeah. Oh yeah, very much so. Yeah, she she was always very friendly with me, and she even tried to recruit mm-hmm. me to get into Thrive. some of her stuff, yeah. the the uh, Thrive, you know. And I just not much of a supplement type uh-huh. person, but I was, yeah. you know, like, yeah, <laughs> she was always friendly yeah. to me and I'm sure so, everybody, um, same way. I'm just thinking that, you know, a stalker, especially, I mean, she had a really attractive body. She was an attractive lady and she was in amazing shape and mm-hmm. she wore stuff that showed off her body. Of course, when she taught her classes, cause it gets hot, you've got to wear tank tops and stuff like that. And tight pants, that's just workout gear. That's not her. That's just what people wear to work out. So that's if you are a stalker type. Right. And, you know, and there's something else I forgot to leave out. Remember when I talked on that episode about how surprised I was that MPD had not met with Renee Jones at the very beginning? Another thing that I yes. found out from uh-huh. her, because I was really pumping her for information. I was like, now, what else could they have asked you back then that would have been helpful? And she was saying that, well, you know, there's pictures that kind of going along with the stalker theory, which I think uh, some people in the camp gladiator community might think could be the, what happened to her because, you know, other trainers are concerned and for their safety as well, of course, after something like this happens. And she was saying that there is some type of a website. I didn't really catch where, but there is a, I guess on the camp gladiator website, you can look up a trainer and you can click on it and it has an email. And so you can email a trainer after you see their picture and I just thought, isn't that interesting? What if this person um, had gotten on there and, you know, the threatening LinkedIn, oh, and I shouldn't say threatening, the, the, the strange, what was it? Creepy and strange LinkedIn. Yeah. Creepy and strange LinkedIn strange messages. And creepy, yeah, creepy what and strange. if there were similar messages sent to her Camp Gladiator account that police never saw? Um, I mean, that's possible. Right. Yeah. And nobody was aware of. So, but I'm just back to the stalker thing is just, um, you know, they're just out there. They're sort of like little mini celebrities. I mean, they're like, hey, come to my class. They're promoting themselves or promoting the class and health and looking great. And they do look great. None of those trainers are unattractive, right? I mean, they all look great. And I just thought that was kind of interesting. The stalker theory is not hard to believe at all. And also, um, Renee had mentioned, because it's interesting how different people put significance on different things. I, you and I have always really wholeheartedly agreed on that LinkedIn message. We said, if we can, if somebody can figure out who sent that LinkedIn message, you've got the killer. I think you and I have been on the same page with that. Renee Jones exactly. a little bit different. She yeah. said, you know, 
it's not uncommon for trainers to get weird and creepy messages and suggestive messages from the public, you know, cause they see your picture and stuff. So she wasn't quite as impressed is I guess the word I'll use with the fact that Missy had gotten those messages. She didn't seem to necessarily think that that meant that's the killer. So I thought that was interesting. Um, yeah, that is interesting. Another one that we hear a lot, oh, yeah. a lot, a lot is cosplay. And, um, and, and I, th- and I think you and I struggled with that one because cosplay is a group activity. It's not to say that there aren't certain people that might want to do it by themselves, but it just seems like it's a social thing. Yeah. Well, not to mention, and this is what I've always said, I guess I'm, I'm just repeat myself, I guess, but you know, if they're, mm-hmm. they're cosplaying, they're acting and they're not really acting right. like, you know, um, you know, right. like going around the right. corner and pointing the gun, like they're pretending to scope somebody out or whatever. They're not right. doing any of that. They're and just also, walking around and if you're acting, casually. Then you know? that would imply that there's an audience. Um, unless, I guess, the surveillance cameras count as an audience. But it just seems like that's a group activity um, cosplay. So I've, I've struggled with that. Theory. Yeah. I always want to try to give each theory some attention because we don't know who killed Missy Beavers. None of us does. Um, none of us do. But I right. just, um, there's, there's just a couple of them I really struggle with and that's one of them. Um, I, and, um, yeah, I understand. And the, the burglary too, just simply because a burglar knows how to go in and get things and get out quickly. The goal is to be in and out of there in just a few seconds, not to lolly, not to lollygag around on camera yeah. and literally not take anything. Um, they, um, from what right. we can tell, they left. And, and some people want to argue with you that they picked up that little box. Well, it doesn't appear that they left with it. And even if they did, I've, unless there's like, unless that's like a suitcase in Pulp Fiction where it's like, ooh, it's full of something valuable. I doubt that little white box is worth breaking in and killing someone over. Um, but anyway, are there any other theories that we wanted to go over? Um, the other ones, um, I know someone said that it might've been like, um, uh, somebody who wasn't legal in this country, they, um, killed her and just ran off. I guess in other words, maybe that's why we can't hmm. figure out who they are because okay. they're gone somewhere far away. Um, let's see, uh, oh, yeah. paid hit, pass the church. I've heard pass, pass the church it? more I than I would have thought that I would have heard that. Yeah, I've heard that oh one gosh, at so least weird. three times. I was surprised. Very I was like, strange. really? That's kind of strange. But yeah, I've heard this one. Yeah. And I don't know that they were specifically talking about Creekside. I'm just saying that they just huh. mentioned pastor of a I would church. like to hear more about that. I don't know. Yeah, I was I was kind of shocked about that, too. Um, let's see. We already said total stranger, untargeted, targeted, illegal. Well, there's also been people who have said that it was Brandon's mom and or it was Brandon's stepmom, which would be Randy's current wife. And I just can't get on board with any of that. But I did want to mention it just because it's been out there. It's not near as prevalent as the father-in-law or. But yeah, yeah, it's not. Yeah, we've heard it. Oh, and another, we do hear it a lot. Goodness, is one of the investigators from the MPD 
<laughs> um, and then some people say it was his wife. Oh, yeah. Which I've never been on deck with that either. Um, it was okay, either one that of one the again. investigators or his wife or they were working together. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's what I yeah. thought you said, but then I thought I missed a word. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of um, different things that people mm-hmm. say about it. It's it's just interesting that the... the um, I mean, it's it's good to get a lot of different ideas like that, though, because it really does help you to think of all the different possibilities, and it helps you to well, brainstorm more, you know, because some of us only only get one idea in their head. I mean, I, I wouldn't oh, hey, have thought of probably else. three, four of these. Because it triggered a thought. There's another theory, and I think that after all these years, this is sort of starting to become my favorite one. Um, and by favorite, I mean the one that I think could have some significance here is um the theory that it was just like some nut that was just not right in the head now obviously anyone that could do this to missy is not right in the head but i mean like really problematic something going on not just that they're evil and soulless that they could do something like this but just sort of like off you know in everyday life and maybe they had some kind of a substance abuse problem. Because, right. you know, people who do meth, amphetamines, you know, being up all night is no big deal. Um, and, and that can make you paranoid. And you can think things that maybe aren't really happening. Or you can convince yourself they are happening. Um, you know, you hear about meth addicts talking about before mm-hmm. they were recovered and all the stuff they went through and crimes they committed while they were on meth you know I just kind of think about that that's that's not crazy for the Ellis County area for someone like that to be knocking around and to think that maybe this person got it in their head that Missy did something to them or did something to one of their loved ones or best around their husband or any list of things that they might have just gotten in their head that Missy did whether she did it or not and they might have gone in there to confront her that's a good point you know the thing is is that it doesn't mean that it happened Mm -hmm. it could have just been in their eyes that it happened or they thought it happened or they heard it happened and that Mm -hmm. a lot of times is enough for someone to go crazy you know nine times out of ten people don't come to you and say i just have a question i want to ask you if this happened or you know whatever Mm -hmm. they just instantly believe what they heard is true and they go off the deep end i mean you know i'm sure we've all been through that and if you came to me and you told me that my husband was sleeping with someone and if i was a drug addict and already paranoid about that to begin with i might just like uh, i obviously wouldn't go kill the woman but i might just go off and believe it you know um, even though I don't think any of that stuff about right. my husband, but I'm just saying that you're much more likely if you're already unstable, potentially using drugs, and then someone tells you something, it's like, oh, it's on, you know. Um, it they just might not react like a normal person. Um, so anyway, exactly. Just that's just kind of yeah. yeah. I was just gonna say that yeah. There's the a lot of different hasn't been solved all this time, and that there's really not an obvious there's really not an obvious person that jumps to anyone's head that could have done this. And that's why I'm kind of warming up to that theory more is that it might just be this random psycho that got it in their head that something really horrible that Missy had done and that she just deserved to die. And this person's irrational. Um, Very very possible. um, For sure. 
So is there anything else on this front that we wanted to cover? I think we covered all the ones that I, I um, had uh, thought of. But yeah, you know, something else that's interesting, though, is my husband's the one that brought up the, the crystal methamphetamine um, angle. Um, when we were talking earlier, I told him we we're going to record an episode. And, you know, that's really an interesting. I had not thought about that. Um, but, you know, that could be possible because look at what time of that person looks like they had been up all night. They don't look like they set their alarm for three o'clock and started getting dressed. They kind of look. And when I say they look like they'd been awake, I just mean it takes a long time to put on that gear. And it was pouring down rain. It just seems to me that they were probably, if I had to bet, I would say they were still up. I wouldn't say that they had woken up early to do that. Like Missy had woken up early to do her class. I just feel like the perpetrator more than likely was just still awake. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. You know, um, another thing that I was thinking of. I are you reading? I got myself sidetracked. I'm here. When you were talking about, uh-huh. well, I was looking at something when you were talking about the myth. And it, the only thing is, is that they've definitely got to be um, disguising their size. Um, because typically someone on myth is going to be pretty mm-hmm. thin. Typically. Doesn't mean that's a, but, for certain. But then you see but they do have a like lot of different. Um, John Belushi and stuff that abuse, you know, speed and, you know crystal meth, cocaine, and they're all huge. So it's kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's not always the case. Yeah, they so might it's not, definitely possible. They might have done it like every day. Um, but it, I think but those it seems, probably are really skinny. But that might have just been like something they did sometimes. And yeah. you know how people will binge. I mean, we're both from small towns. Even though we weren't druggies, we knew people who were. And people will go on binges, you know. I used to know people when I was younger that, you would hear about it's like wow that person stayed up for three days that's really scary but then they wouldn't do it then they wouldn't do it for a few months and then they'd do it again it's like scary. okay they're awake for four to four days this time you know right just people you'd hear about from high school or whatever and right. so, i don't know yeah. maybe someone was just binging i'm just kind of throwing that out there because after all this time i'm kind of thinking it might be some wild card like that like some just either a, a nut case or a drug addict or maybe some combination maybe a crazy person that does drugs sometimes and just got because you know that stuff can make you paranoid you know you can think yeah. stuff. you know the thing that the thing that that uh, bothers me about that is that they acted like you know we're not gonna you know because typically you want to warn the public hey this we don't think this was, you know, isolated. We we think this was, um, you know, somebody out there. We can't, don't even think we're going to be able to, you know, figure out who it is. Of course, they're not going to want to say that because that's going to sound really bad on the police department. But I'm just saying, like, mm-hmm. they act like we don't have anything to worry about, you know, in, in the Ellis County area. And if it's going to be some crazy, you know, just random crazy middle person or somebody on drugs, my gosh, I would hope they would want to tell us that if they could you know, find any way of, of getting that information to the public so that we know to be on the lookout. Yeah. And you know what I find they were saying (laughs) that they don't feel like safety is an issue. They feel like it's an isolated case. Didn't they say that? I kind of think, I kind of think Kevin Johnson said that early on, but then, but then they also would 
say yeah he did we're split on whether it was targeted or untargeted it's like wait a minute if it's untargeted then we're not safe you know yeah right yeah exactly i mean it makes me wonder if it's if they if maybe like that's just people's opinions that don't actually work on the case because you think it would be somebody that's actually mm-hmm. working on the case, they would have some way to prove that, you know, okay, if you think it's untargeted, mm-hmm. what is your basis for saying that? So maybe they were just like, that's just like the talk around the, you know, around the uh, department is that, you know, this one thinks it's untargeted, they think it's targeted and whatever, but it's not really like people that are actually working a case, because if that was the case, they would be like, okay, well, what do you have to back up your these claims here? You know, I just, I hate that though that 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 really that really left a lot of uncertainty whenever they said that. You know, just kind of made everybody like, oh, well, crap! If you don't know, if y'all can't even decide if it's targeted or un. Hey, Renee. Sorry, I guess I guess Anchor decided we were done. So <laughs> we're, we still we still want to sort of gracefully wrap it up and not just have Anchor hang up on us. So we're going <laughs> to wrap it up now. But I just think that that thing about um, targeted and untargeted, it might be just sort of the police trying to make the perpetrator think they have no idea who it is. I mean, because I just find it That's hard to true. believe. I just really find it hard to believe that half the police department thought it was untargeted and half didn't. I don't, I do remember them saying they were split on the gender, but I kind of feel like these said that they were split on targeted and untargeted at some point, but maybe I'm remembering that wrong. But I think they did. I think they said both. That's yeah, what I, I think, remember. Yeah, I think so too. Like on different days, but right. anyway, um, so yeah, that's a, uh, I think that's about all I had to discuss on this episode. I did want to mention to our listeners, um, if you would prefer to listen to us on iHeartRadio versus whatever you're normally listening to us on, we are uh, brand new on iHeartRadio since we had a podcast last. We are on there now, and we are pending being on Pandora. We will let you know when that's finalized. And Hopefully um, that's soon. Yeah. So is there anything else we wanted to, oh, and if you would please follow us on Instagram, we would really appreciate it. Feel free to shoot us a message anytime. We can't tell you how much we appreciate you listening. And also, um, if you're enjoying the podcast, if you could please leave us a five-star review on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, we would really appreciate it. If you don't like the podcast, please just kindly move on and don't listen anymore. Please don't leave a bad review. <laughs> so. Um, <laughs> Um, also, I would like to ask if um, if there if you are in our um, true crime frauds uh, Missy Beavers discussion group, feel free to add some or you know tell your friends, family that are interested in true crime, because we do like to get would like to get some more people in our group so we can continue discussing the case, get some more in, new insight, um, you know, because it just it's always nice when we do get new people in there. They are always able to. Um, you know, add some good conversation to the group. So it's, I just figured we might ask for some more, um, you know, to kind of build the group up a little bit more. Right. That'd be fun. Sounds good. And we really appreciate everybody listening today. And thank you for bearing with our technical issues. It seems like almost every episode we have to get kicked off at some point and get to come back on. So right. um, yeah, thanks for hanging in there with us. And we look forward to talking to you again really soon. I think we're going to be recording really, really soon with a surprise. So um, please, yeah. please hang around and tune back in again soon. Thanks, everybody. Uh-huh. Good night. Yo, Pierre, you want to come out here? Beep boop, beep boop.
Cut the black, 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 black. 12 o'clock, black, black. I paint cash, you do the math, math. I bust the bag, you took the cash Yeah.